Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. As promised on last week's show, we will be speaking in our second segment today with film director Eugene Jarecki. His current documentary, Why We Fight, is playing in Sacramento and I think should be seen by all of you, dear listeners. Dwight D. Eisenhower was without a doubt the best versed chief executive of the 20th century in the ways of the U.S. war machine. He warned us about the danger of a military-industrial complex in his farewell address to the nation in 1961. Mr. Jarecki starts and ends his compelling film with this warning, which we will now excerpt for 45 seconds. We have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. Added to this, three and a half million men and women are directly engaged in the defense establishment. We annually spend on military security alone more than the net income of all United States corporations. Now this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development, yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Its implications are grave indeed, and we will be talking about that in segment two today. Stay tuned. Let us begin as we like to do with this date in history. On this date in history, March 30th, in 240 BC, Halley's Comet reached perihelion, the nearest point of its orbit to the sun. Well, at least it did so during this week. Chinese observers at the time recorded seeing a broom star. This is the earliest historical record of the comet. On this date in 1533, Henry VIII divorces his first wife, Catherine of Aragon, after 24 years of marriage. He would marry five more times before his death, ten years later. On this date in 1870, the 15th Amendment is formally adopted into the U.S. Constitution. The amendment reads, The right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. And on March 30th, 1943, the first musical by Rodgers and Hammerstein, Oklahoma, opened on Broadway. We did not mention a few weeks back the passing of Peter Benchley, the author of Jaws, but our joke of the day is associated with him. It comes from comedian Dave Attell, who noted that when Jaws 1 was made, people stopped going into the ocean. And when Jaws 2, 3, and 4 were made, people stopped going to the theater. (laughs) 
Our quote of the day comes from Arthur C. Clarke, who said, I don't believe in astrology. I'm a Sagittarian, and we're skeptical. Our statistic of the day is that on a typical workday, more Americans eat lunch in a car, 15%, than in a restaurant, 14%. Most dine at home at their desk or in the office lunchroom. That is according to the Associated Press. All right, and a bit of follow-up. We noted on, a, on this show a few months back that in Laos, a new family of rodents had been discovered. It was called the Laotian Rock Rat. It's now been uh, linked up with the fossil record. Apparently, um, in the fossil record, these creatures were found up to 11 million years ago and, of course, were thought to be extinct all that time. Not so. Scientists hope to go to Laos and capture a living, breathing rock rat sometime soon. The uh, chipmunk-sized brush-tailed rodent called the Kya Noal by locals was uh, for sale in a market for shish kebab. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. Evidently, last week was a good week for updating the curriculum when the Chicago public school system decided that it's thinking, thinking of dropping its requirement that blind students take driver's education. Under the current system, no student can graduate without passing driver's ed, regardless of whether they'll ever be able to drive a car. Some blind students are complaining that for them, the class is not only useless, but rather depressing. In other classes, you don't really feel different, said Myra Ramirez, but driver's ed brought me down because it reminds me of something I can't do. So thinking about dropping driver's ed for the blind in Chicago. Good move. It was, on the other hand, judged a bad week for asking for change after U.S. Customs agents arrested a West Hollywood man and charged him with printing 250 counterfeit bills, each bearing the denomination one billion. And according to The Week magazine, last week was an ugly week for keeping passion alive after a quarrel between a married Mexican couple escalated to include the hurling of knives, a gun battle, and the use of homemade gasoline bombs. Evidently, the parties are recovering separately in separate hospitals. Boy, I'll bet he never forgets their anniversary again. All right, the Week magazine was also good for a couple of items from the miscellaneous file, repeating the item in the Chicago Tribune, <laughs> noting that reporters of the Tribune uncovered the identities of 2,600 CIA employees, including many covert operatives, through a basic search of online data services. To the agency's embarrassment, the newspaper also found easily, but did not print, the locations of two dozen, quote, secret, unquote, CIA facilities in the United States. And in a related story, the Atlantic Monthly reported that the, the CIA's sister agency, the National Security Agency, NSA, 
sends submarines to the ocean floor to attach bugs directly to undersea cables in order to monitor television calls and emails transmitted across the ocean. I'm uh, pretty sure they're using uh, the Navy's subs for that, and you and I are paying for it. We'd like to note on our astronomy watch, if you go out on the night of the 1st, that would be Saturday shortly after sunset, you will see the sliver of crescent moon moving up into the Pleiades, also known as the Seven Sisters. If you get a pair of binoculars out, you'll be able to observe each of the stars disappear behind the darkened edge of the moon. And I'm very sorry to report uh, that uh, I am uh, at present stateside. My plan as of last year was to, on this date, be in Libya. Uh, Early yesterday morning, at least early by California time standards, uh, people in Africa and Asia were witness to the treat of a solar eclipse. This is going to be the best eclipse of the sun uh, for some time. I planned to be there, as I say, but discovered a few months back The Libyan government was being very difficult. If we didn't have my paperwork in four months in advance for the pre-visa application to be translated into Arabic, you were sunk. I didn't. I was sunk. I'm here. I'm sorry I missed it. If you'd uh, like to see the next total solar eclipse, you're going to have to wait till the 1st of August, 2008. And you're going to have to travel to Mongolia. And if you don't want to leave the U.S. to see an eclipse, you're going to have to wait till the 21st of August, 2017, when by traveling up to eastern Oregon near the Idaho border, you've got a pretty good chance of seeing an eclipse that'll last, uh, let's see, 2 minutes and 40 seconds. So mark that on your calendar, August 21st, 2017. Now, apparently people in Turkey got quite a good view of it. Uh, Turkey was an option for me. I just decided not to exercise it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm somewhat depressed, near listener, to contemplate uh, the fact that this was really a first-class first uh, eclipse that I was unable to take in. I, I, this is a hobby of mine. I've seen three. I'm three for three, and it would have been nice to have gone four for four. Thanks a lot, Molmar. Anyway, speaking of Turkey, I hope that, uh, you know, people went there and enjoyed the beautiful, beautiful countryside, beautiful scenery of that, uh, that marvelous um, European nation. People think of it as part of the Middle East, and technically it is, but, you know, it's a European nation like Spain or Portugal. We hope if any, uh, any you know anyone that was there, please have them drop us an email at info at radioparallax.com. And speaking of Turkey, from the, from the knucklehead file, we, we have this article uh, off the web. Satellite closes in on Noah's Ark mystery. High on Mount Ararat in eastern Turkey, there's a baffling mountainside anomaly, a feature that one researcher claims may be something of biblical proportions. And then again, maybe not. God, I get so tired of these stories. You know, Noah's Ark did not wind up on Mount Ararat. The term in the Bible, Ararat, refers to a region. The mountain wasn't named until centuries later. No worldwide flood put a boat up on Mount Ararat at 15,000 feet. Did not happen. Fairy tale. Hello. Well, we talked on last week's program a bit about Alexander Lukashenko, often called Europe's last dictator, and his fraudulent re-election in Belarus. We're sad to report that what protesters remain over there are getting arrested. 
But uh, we have to say, when it comes to screwball dictatorships, it's hard to top Myanmar, formerly known as Burma. Item from the Mail and Guardian online noted that Myanmar's increasingly reclusive and repressive military junta showed off its mysterious new capital, Nai Pyaw, to outsiders last Monday. This was the first time they've seen it. It would happen during a ceremony to mark Armed Forces Day. Buried deep within the country's dense mountains jungle, Nyapadya, I think that's pronounced that way, N-A-Y-P-Y-I-D-A-W, a heavily fortified compound, meaning royal city, is just outside the town of Pinmana, which is 370 kilometers north of Rangoon, the former capital, which remains the commercial center of the nation. The generals claim it'll be easier to run Myanmar from the... <laughs> from the command and control center capital, which which remains incomplete, four months after civil servants were secretly whisked off to it from their homes and offices in Rangoon. The new building on shown on state television looked impressive, according to the Mail, uh, as did huge statues of three of Myanmar's most famous kings. However, the lack of facilities, including such basics as telephone lines, and poor access to the rest of the country has prompted virtually all embassies, aid agencies, and international organizations to stay in Rangoon. There are widespread rumors that the move was prompted by rampant paranoia and astrologers' advice. Imagine people running a modern nation relying upon the advice of astrologers. We, uh, we talked uh, last year, was it the year before, about uh, San Francisco astrologer Joan Quigley receiving daily phone calls from Nancy Reagan, then First Lady, inquiring as to how to best arrange President Ronald Reagan's schedule to align with the stars. This came to light uh, when an angry former Secretary of the Treasury, Donald Reagan, included in his book. Apparently, uh, Reagan asking, well, what does Jane have to say? <laughs> was a a pretty regular occurrence in the White House. Fortunately, as far as we know, Joan Quigley never recommended moving Washington, D.C. to a dense, mountain-fortified compound. And our third item in this vein uh, actually blends Asian totalitarian politics with Washington PR spinmeisters. The Ukrainians just held an election recently, and uh, apparently the staff of Viktor Yanukovych's campaign was celebrating. Of course, you remember that uh, Mr. Yanukovych lost to the current president of Ukraine, Viktor Yushchenko, in an election held in November 2004. Well, the former president made some gains in the election, and according to the London Times, it's ironic enough that Mr. Yanukovych's pro-Russian party won a third of the seats in Parliament with the sort of Western-style campaign that the Orange Revolution leaders used to unseat him back in 2004. But a greater irony is that the spin doctors behind this image revamp were not Russian or Ukrainian, but American. Last year, the Party of the Regions hired Davis Manafort, a top U.S. political consultancy and lobbying firm, to help shape its electoral campaign. Spearheading the project... Paul Manafort, veteran Republican advisor who worked in the White House under Ford and helped manage campaigns for Reagan and George W. Bush. Alongside him was Rick Ahern, who was event planner for Mr. Reagan and organized his funeral two years ago. They were hired 
to replace the Russians who managed Mr. Yanukovych's disastrous attempt to rig the 2004 presidential campaign. By the way, as you may recall, his rival was poisoned with dioxin, given what is believed to be the largest dose of that toxic chemical that anyone has ever survived. We presume that the new U.S. spinmeisters will suggest that poisoning your opponent is probably not a good idea from a public relations standpoint. Or at least getting caught when trying to do this will look bad. In much happier election news from around the world, we'd like to report that Israel's acting prime minister, Ehud Olmert, and his Kadima party won the election in Israel, which tapped into voters' desire to abandon talks with the Palestinians and simply fix the country's borders unilaterally. Olmert and Prime Minister, and prime minister Ariel Sharon, who remains in a coma since his stroke on January 4th, split Kadima off of the Likud party in November and announced their intention to set Israel's borders with the Palestinian Authority. Of course, that's uh, the monkey wrench has been thrown into that with the, um, the supremacy of Hamas, but uh, the Kadima party is planning to go ahead and do what it can to separate Palestine from Israel and create uh, two states that can live side by side. The Likud party, which opposes all of this, uh, led by former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, took only 11 seats in Parliament. Kadima won 32 out of 120. The Labour Party came in second with 22. And the polls indicate that a coalition government uh, should uh, now be easy to put together. And that, we think, dear listener, is, is some good news indeed. All right, uh, let us wind this down and uh, move into our second segment where we'll speak with Eugene Jarecki about his documentary, Why We Fight. It might be nice to go out here with a little bit more of that, uh, that classic speech by Dwight Eisenhower, his farewell speech to the nation. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. And persist it has. Stay tuned for a talk about that. I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax on KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. <laughs> 